בשם השם נעשה ונצליח. אוקיי, ג'נלמן, תודה רבה שתהיינו. האינספיריישן של הקלאס, הוא לא כאן, הוא כאן בבולטמור, אבל אליאט, ואליאט, אנחנו מבינים אותך. אנחנו נעשה את שני המשפטים מעל השני המשפטים. זה יכול להיות מאוד 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 and help you guys make the most best decision and find your true soulmate. The Ten Commandments of dating. In the Orthodox community, we don't date for fun. I mean, the only Torah community, the observant community, we don't want to alienate anybody. We don't, we don't date for fun and, 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 you know, games. But we date because you want to get to the ultimate goal, which is to do the first mitzvah of the Torah. So in this class, we're going to do commandment one and commandment two. Um, commandment number one is... Uh, there's a Gemara Nida right next to my water bottle, if you could get that for me, because I'm going to need it. It says... Commandment number one, which we want to talk about, is prayer. Now, there's a Gemara in Brachot that says, The Gemara, the Talmud says, King David in Tehillim says, On this, the pious person always prays for. So the Gemara is uh, mesmerized. What is this? It's, it's ambiguous. What is this thing that always, constantly, the pious person is speaking, praying for? Le'et motza'o. So the Gemara says, When you find a woman, you find what? Good. See, we have to understand, we human beings were created not to be alone. It's so heartbreaking as a rabbi, people that didn't have the luxury of having this class that you're in now, and they were snobby and picky and made 101 different mistakes and never got married, you should know at the end of their life they're miserable. Because it's like a car that doesn't have an engine. Man and woman in a holy relationship based on Torah always need to be together. And it's not good. When somebody is always alone, I'm telling you, these people cry to me and it's so heartbreaking, you know? Because really, what could I do for them? And the worst part is they're so delusional they still want kids and the guy's already 60, 70 years old. So the Gemara says that that righteous person that's always praying for, from when he has enough knowledge and understanding, he's always praying for his soulmate to get the right one. Now the Chidah explains this very importantly. You should know originally this wasn't part of my Ten Commandments, but then... When I thought about it, I said, I'm going to show you a Gemara and Nida, that really, it, is, it should be the first of the, the Ten Commandments. Now, the Chidah explains this Gemara very importantly. He says, ultimately, what's the most important decision you have to make in life? Like, I own, fortunately or unfortunately, 300 ties. So every day I have a choice which one to wear. Right? Life is full of choices. Every second you're making a choice. To be or not to be. But the Chidah says there's one choice that is the choice of all choices. Because this choice will change your whole destiny. And that's who you marry. Because if you have a happy wife, you have a happy life. If you have a good wife, that's Eshet Chayil, 
then your children are going to be good. And I hate to be so blunt, but you know my style, guys. If, God forbid, you lived the wrong life and you ended up in hell, if you have good children, they could say Kaddish and do Mitzvah and bring you out of hell. So this choice of who you marry, uh, and this is really why it compelled me when we were... T- I, I was talking to Elliot. I was giving him advice for around two hours, and I realized, wow, this is something we realize this is beneficial for, for the larger public, and hopefully we'll get thousands or tens of thousands of views. Uh, that's the great thing of YouTube and modern technology, even though it's... Able- the ultimate thing is, this choice the Chidah says, Ge'onu is a choice that's the most important in your life. Because it's going to affect your quality of life in a way that's beyond any other choice. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to have eternal ramifications. Because who your children are, are who you are, even when you're dead. And we, we see this, this is the whole idea of Kaddish. That it's, it's heartbreaking that we find in our community for thousands of years it was a diehard thing to say Kaddish. Unfortunately, in the last few years I've seen people, especially because of COVID, but even before that, people don't even come and say it for a week. Now, because of the reformed, deformed, they think it's only for a month. For a father and mother, it's a year. So, you have to understand, this class is also geared more to the men, like the gentlemen that are sitting in front of me. When Hashem gave us the Torah, He first gave it to the women, Right? We just had Shavuot literally a week ago. It says, Whether a home is kosher, the, the Jewish soul of a home is based on a woman. If that woman is less religious than you, and this was a very important point I was trying to get through to Elliot, if the, if the woman that you're dating does not care at all, zero, which unfortunately a lot do, I want to say, Baruch Hashem, God gave me the merit that I made four shiduchim, four people went to the chuppah. I was nothing, but you know, I was a vessel. And I've been a rabbi almost 18 years, and I love, I mean, I got burnt out from matchmaking because people weren't appreciating what I did. And I, and I send a lot of people to my friend, which is a full-time, this is his full-time thing, but a lot, a lot, a lot of people have to understand that it's very sad where a lot of boys are rejected because they, they, they're even willing in our traditional community to go to a non-kosher restaurant. But she says, if you don't eat the meat, I don't want you, right? Some people at least, okay, we're talking about traditional people which I'm mostly interacting with. They keep kosher style. So at least they're not going to eat meat or chicken in an outside restaurant. That already for some, such a woman, I don't want to put them down. We don't, we're not judging anybody. Everybody's good. Everybody is grown up according to their standards. But what do you think your kids are going to end up? If she is saying, rejecting you because you keep kosher style, not even kosher, you only eat salad or, or thing. I, I, and I've seen this from very close family that it becomes a disaster, right? The husband could be very religious, the ki- children. I know a dozen cases off the top of my head actually where the kids, the mother really wasn't into religion and to Judaism and it ended up that really the children are really you know, we don't want to say God forbid they're bad, but they have nothing to do with Torah or observance so there's a concept in the Zohar that says which I said, Kaddish even if you pass away, a child could always benefit the father so even if the father is ended up, God forbid, downstairs in hell where he shouldn't be, the child could elevate him. 
But if the child, if you pick the wrong wife, <laughs> the child is not going to give it who to do mitzvot. Right? And also, we have to understand, the whole goal of the Torah, the first mitzvah of the Torah is what? To be fruitful and multiply. So this is a very, very important thing. It's your whole destiny. That's why the Chidah says, this is the most important choice you make. And that's why the Gemara says, this is what is constantly preoccupying the mind of the Sadiq. He's praying and begging God for what? His soulmate, the right, the right woman. Not, 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 God forbid, the wrong one. And that's why a lot of people do end up with the wrong one. Because you see how much divorce there is. It's just, one of my friends is part of a orthodox, not even modern orthodox, Facebook group. There's 300 divorcees on that group. And it's a scary thing. So the first commandment is to pray. And when I say pray, pray with your heart. Pray with your, your heart out. Because both this world and your next world depends on it. If this choice you make wrong, okay, you could always divorce. But, you know, Harvard did a study. They interviewed a thousand people that had gotten divorced. They said, what was the worst experience you had in your life? You know what 80-90% of them said? I, I saw this statistic many years ago. 90% have said going through divorce. And Persians, oh my goodness. It's like World War III. It, 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 it's a terrible thing. Now, why did I want to start with this commandment? And we're going to wrap it up soon. There's a Gemara in Nida. The fascinating Gemara. Everybody should know this Gemara. It says there was three things how to live life. They asked Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. It says, what should one do and become wise? Right? Being that my last name means Hekmat, wisdom. So they said, the Chachamim said, go to yeshiva for a long time. Right? The more you sit in yeshiva, and do business less. The more you sit in the Bet Midrash, the more smarter you get. So you know what they answered back? They said a lot of people did this, but they weren't very wise. So it said, rather what should you do? You should ask for mercy from God. You should pray. As it says, King Shlomo and Mishlei says, Ki Hashem iten chokhma, Oh, by the way, gentlemen, uh, if you have any questions, just jot it down in your mental mind, and at the end, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. The questioning in this specific class, questions are more than welcome. So, the, the next Gemara says, that what should a person do and become rich? <laughs> no money, no honey. That's part of this. <laughs> Maybe that's the last commandment, right? Make sure you have a good business because no Jewish dad is going to let you take her princess without making money. Maybe should we save that one for the last one, Chaim? <laughs> but listen, I, I, uh, one thing about me is I'm not in La La Land. You got to be, we talk real here. We don't, we're not ca- talking nonsense. So it says, it says that, the Gemara then it continues, it says, what should you do to become rich? The Gemara says, okay, do a lot of business, do a lot of good dealings, like Trader Joe's, right? He says, and you should be honest in business, the Gemara says. But the Gemara says, a lot of people did this and they weren't successful. Gemara says, rather, you should ask Rachamim, ask, pray that God should help you and then you'll be successful. Because it says, Leah Kesef, ultimately, who's the owner of all the money? God. It's just unleashed to us. So the, the Gemara says after these two things, he says, what well, doesn't make sense. First you say, how to become, 
smart if I stay a long time in yeshiva? How do I become rich if I do a lot of business and be honest in business? But then you say, I have to pray also. So which one is which? So the says, no, it's teaching you this without that is not. You always have to, there's something called hishtadlut. You know what hishtadlut is? For 99% of people in this world, we believe God gives us everything. But God says, there's a saying in Farsi, as to harikat, as khoda barikat, which means you have to do, go into the motions. Right? Can you just stay home all day and say, God, feed me food? You're going to die of hunger. You have to go work. But when you work, you have to realize all your blessing is coming from whom? From God. So that's the thing. That... And then the Gemara actually says, how do you have boys? If a person wants to have children and have boys to carry his name, what does he should do? So the Gemara says, he says you should, go, you should marry a woman that's good for you. Which means, don't marry a woman that she's less religious than you, less uh, ethical person than you, but just because she's greater looking. See, and that's going to be one of the other commandments that we're going to get to that we're living in a society where a lot of our young men have been poisoned that they need to marry a supermodel because 24-7 they're, they're um, we've all been poisoned by the media we're like robots especially the cell phones in the last 10-15 years the smartphones made us so silly and it made it a hundred times worse I just said a second ago between Mincharvid, you know, we have a professor in our synagogue. Unfortunately, we don't see her that often anymore. She's a CSUN professor of uh, of uh, computer science. She wrote six books, textbooks on computer programming. So she called me once to her mother's house. Her mother had passed away, so she called me to the gravesite so we could say the prayers. I saw she had a flip phone. I said, I said, uh, you're such a sophisticated, and she's a very cosmopolitan, half the year she's living in London, and she's very, very, very sophisticated. I said, why do you have a flip phone after all these? She said, I write the programs for this stuff. I teach the programmers how to program. If you said, she said, if you knew how much invasion of privacy you do every time you download an app, and you know that you could look... And this on YouTube. Even when your phone's off, they know every step you're taking. They more they know more about you than you. And what am I trying to say here is that we're constantly being bombarded because we watch media and think that every woman needs to look like, you know, a supermodel. But that's not the right thing. If you marry the woman that's your that's on your level both physically, beauty, income, and religiously. Always is actually better that, that's what's telling Elliot, it's always better the woman should be more religious. Because most times the nuns, who, more often than not, who is the one that inculcates the children with love of God? It's the mother. Who is the one that keeps the house kosher? The father's not around the kids that much. And always we know a woman... It's brought down in the Midrash. We're going to learn it in a few weeks in Korach. It says a good woman is able to change. A, it's very seldom that a man can change a woman. Because I want to maybe go off on a tangent here. You're going to have to forgive me. But according to Kabbalah, people don't realize this. 
women's, soul, women's souls is based in Geburah. You know what Geburah is? Women are much more tough than men. If a woman wants to be stubborn, she could have a hundred times more self-control, especially in the sexual realm, than a man. Men are chesed. So the Gemara here says basically, if you want to have good boys to carry your name and family legacy, then you should marry a woman that is uh, good for you, appropriate for you. And when you're having intimacy, you should make yourself holy. Don't act like an animal, right? There's Baruch Hashem, we Jews, the Torah is our GPS. We have halachot for what? From, for everything, from A to Z. And it says... But they asked, a lot of people did this, and they don't have boys. They didn't, weren't. So he says, no. You have to, you have to, you have to pray. And because it says, So what's the, what's the common denominator you see from this Gemara? Whether you want good children, whether you want money, whether you want wisdom, you have to do the basic pre- prerequisites. But ultimately, what's going to make you get you to your goal? It's, it's the, the prayer. Never underestimate the thing of prayer because um, I want to say one of the greatest, greatest luxuries I had in my life that I'm lucky. I don't know if how many people have this lucky. I went and visited the greatest rabbi in the world, the God of Lador, that my son's named after him, Rav Chaim Kanyanevsky. They actually just made a song about him. <laughs> it's a cute song. The first time that I met him, I was so mesmerized and I'd just gone to Israel to see him that um, I asked the Gabbai, it was around 10 years ago, 9 years ago, I said, usually, he says Buha. He says, Buha means Bracha Batzlacha. You should have blessing because he has to see a million people and also he wants to get back to his learning. But that specific time, I had the great luxury of doing what? Being half an hour in the room I told the Gabbai, just let me stay in the room, I want to observe the Rabbi. And I kid you not. At that half hour that I was there, there was like 15, 20 people that came for different blessings. And the common denominator, Rav Chaim always said, is the first thing that came out of his mouth was pray. And I was thinking, for me, he gave some other advice based on the Gemara. But, we human beings don't realize, and you know, God forgive me, I, I, I really yelled at somebody a second ago in the shul because he was on his cell phone. But we don't realize what a power our, our tefillah have. You understand? It's a nuclear power. When we pray, it's even more than a nuclear power. But what do we do? We underestimate it. And that's one thing I learned, and I, I, I subsequently, after that half hour, I went to him another four times, and I... The thing, the most common advice he gives to people is pray. We have to learn how to pray the right way. There's ten things that God forbid kabbalistically stop your prayers from going up, like wearing shatnez. You know, your suits need to be kosher, or if you steal, there's different things. But the most amazing thing that I could tell you about prayer that makes the impossible possible is what the Ramchal, one of the greatest Kabbalists and arguably the be- best interpreter of the world's of, word of the Arizal and the Siporno say. Who did Yaakov, you know Yaakov, we're talking about dating, Yaakov 
Actually, his father-in-law supplied him with four wives instead of one. So he was, buy one, get three free. But Yaakov Avinu, it's very interesting that he worked for seven years for who? For Rachel. And Rachel was a gorgeous. It's, but it says in the Torah that Leah, the sister, her twin sister was had very deep eyes. So Rashi says she was not so attractive. Why? Because what at that time you have to understand it's called Bedebesum. We had it in Iran also. It was very common for cousins to marry each other. So Lavan had two sons, and then his wife, his sister Rivka had two daughters. So it was kind of agreed upon that the older one, Leah, would marry who? Esav. And that's where it was really Kabbalistically, those souls were compatible. And Rachel would marry the younger one, because obviously who was younger? Yaakov, right? Leah knew this. But you know what Leah would do from day to night? She would cry. She cried her heart out so much that her eyes became what? Gray. She had like, you know, what do they call it? It's a cosmetic term that you have... Um, raccoon eyes? Yeah, raccoon eyes, whatever. But it says, guess what? How many kids did Rachel have? How many kids did what? Leah have. Leah had half of Yaakov's kids. The Ramchal and the Siporno say, look, in her mazel, in Leah's mazel, it was true. She was destined for Esav, right? But she cried her heart out. Not only did she end up marrying Yaakov, she ended up bearing half of her sis, half of his children. Who's, who's Shevet Yehuda from? Mashiach, the kings, from Leah. Who is... Um, the Kohanim and Levim from, from Shevet Levi, Yisachar, all the heads of the Jewish Supreme Court, the most geniuses ones, from Le'ah. It comes to teach you that it can make the impossible possible. So never, every day we Jews need to pray three times. If you're single, every day you should be praying three times that Hashem should send you your Eshet Chayil and true soulmate. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. There's more than a million stories how people, miracles happen for them. And that's what also, it, it, it shook me when I was with Rav Chaim Kanyanevsky for half an hour. Almost every person that came for advice, he may have told them other things, but the first thing that came out of his mouth was what? Late Palel. Now pray. And you know, it says, it's brought down in the Gemara, that all, since we Jews are in Galut, right? We're in exile and the Beit HaMikdash doesn't exist. All the doors of heaven are closed. But the door of crying is never closed. A tear, a, a prayer with a tear, never comes back empty. Because that shows that it's coming from the depths of your soul. So if there was one thing in your life you need to cry about, is this. That God should send you the best spouse possible. Because, like we said in the beginning of the class, your whole destiny, your whole quality of life, your whole legacy, both in this world and the next world, is based on what? Your wife. Now let's get to the second commandment. The second commandment, honestly, I, this, this originally when I started the class, I'd made the outline, I wanted this to be the first commandment. So it's hard to know which one is more important. But I could just say, if I didn't follow this commandment, and I'm giving you divulging, divulging highly personal uh, information. My wife is in the other room planning a wedding, actually. So I got to maybe talk a little bit lower. 
But if I wouldn't have took in, I started learning the, the, the Dafyomi many years ago when I was, uh, and I had a friend that was teaching me Dafyomi. When he f- saw that I want to go out, he told me this advice. And another one of my friends that you know, Rabbi Leo Hakaki, and he became my mentor. If I wouldn't have had this advice, I wouldn't be married to my wife that you, that you see, which is like the greatest gift that God has given me. And that is, commandment number two is you need to have a dating coach. You need to have somebody that is independent and you listen to and you respect. This is a deal breaker. I could tell you I'm deeply involved with a lot of people. I was trying to get them married. I could tell you out of the 10 people off the top of my head that are not married, if they would have had a good dating coach, which is somebody on the caliber of a rabbi, doesn't necessarily have to be a rabbi, title of rabbi is insignificant. He could be a Talmud Chacham, he could be a Sadiq, he could be a therapist, he could be a psychologist. If he's all three, that's even better. But you need somebody to take you that intimately knows you and the person you're dating and twist your arm and say, why are you playing games? Because you understand, we're living in a society, especially the community, the people I'm talking to, people think that dating is a game. And then they play the game so long that even when they're serious, subconsciously becomes what? A game. Your father or mother could also be your dating coach. You need a dating coach. If you don't have the dating coach, don't even listen to the rest of these Ten Commandments. Because... I know I wouldn't be married to my wife if I did not have a dating coach. I was lucky I had a very good one. Um, I can't emphasize this enough. Because let's talk business. Warren Buffett, right? Let's say you won the lottery a billion dollars, right? Would you go and invest that money without having a stockbroker to advise you how to invest it or just get invested? So for sure here you're making the most important choice of your life, right? That is going to define your quality of life. It's going to define who your children are. It's going to define who your olam haba is. Right? You don't, you, you, need a, you need somebody that, I was, we were learning Mesilat Yesharim right now. Life is like a maze. You need that person that has, is like a satellite, that has that eagle vision to tell you, hey, this person you're dating is bad for you. This person, I mean, really the next commandment, I shouldn't divulge my secrets, I think the next commandment is, I'm going to talk about, you have to clarify in a piece of paper exactly what you're looking for. And because a lot of people are confused what exactly they want. It's like trying to buy a property, do you want to buy a condo? Do you want to buy, right? But if you have a good dating coach, like we have a great resource in our community, Rabbi Moshe Yacobi, or doesn't matter. There's one in New York. Somebody shares my last name. He just got married. He had a very good matchmaker. I don't want to talk ill about matchmakers, but sometimes it's like a conflict of interest. You know, I'm a CPA also. And I scored very high on business law and auditing. I was actually going to be an auditor. I got a lot of good job offers. There's something called conflict, conflict of interest and segregation of duties, where that's the problem. Where in a company, sometimes... If the matchmaker, a lot of times in the Ashkenazi community, he gets a lot of money, so he's actually going to try to, God forbid, convince you to marry sometimes even the wrong person because he only caring about the commission. It's like real estate brokers, right? They'll want you to make a fire sale. They're only 
interested. So what I'm talking about here is a subcategory of this is to have a good matchmaker, right? Matchmaking is the way to go. I don't care. There's CEOs of fortune. There's no shame in having a matchmaker. This is stupidity and silliness to say it's been it's beneath my. The Torah way was always to have a matchmaker. You know that. But in my personal opinion, talking about it from a business and CPA standpoint, if if your if your dating coach is your matchmaker, it could be a conflict of interest unless they're very ethical and have a lot of integrity. So. There's three parts to, to, to this commandment. Part number one is you need a dating coach that is deeply rooted in Torah, in spiritual, right? Because you're not trying to marry somebody. But guys, beauty dies. Shlomo HaMelech says, Sheker achen All that fun, that animalistic instant gratification you're going to have, it's going to die out. Do the souls, do, are they really soulmates, right? Are you marrying a good person or are you trying to marry ATM machine or beauty queen? That's the ultimate truth. So if you have, if you have a, a good dating coach, right? So first of all, he'll advise you what to do because this is, we said, is the most important decision of your life, right? And secondly, you could have a matchmaker to actually, you know, f- bring you the people. And I, I'm so disappointed. Like Rabbi Yaakovi that really has done like, I don't know, by now 30 different couples. He's 40 couples in the last few years that get matched LA. Um, it's so heartbreaking that people don't want to use his service and they say it's like beneath me that I need a matchmaker. No! You've been poisoned by the Goyesha, by the Shiksas. You've been... there's These two things are essential. We have to follow the, or, the observant way. The observant way, Baruch Hashem, in my yeshiva, 99% of the guys are married by 23. By 22, 23. Right? We don't want to reinvent the wheel. There's hardly any divorce. Unfortunately, that poison is even steepened even into the ultra-Orthodox community. But we, we don't want to recreate the wheels. You need a dating coach. And now, why is it so important to have a mentor? Now, guys, I want to give you global advice here. We're talking about dating, but if you want to be a successful doctor, successful businessman, successful anything, successful janitor, I don't care, have a mentor in life. It's of the most importance. I want to, I want to ask you something. Does any normal person live their life without having, being under the good guidance of a doctor? Especially when you get older, where you're studying, Right? You need a good rabbi. Because your rabbi is your spiritual doctor. He's the one that's going to give you advice what medicine you should take for what? Your soul. Now your body is going to become dust and, right? After under 20 years. But your soul is eternal, right? And I just wanted to bring a proof to this. We learn in Pirkei Avot. There's no... The source of all Jewish ethics, the most common book is Pirkei Avot, right? It's a Mishnah. You look in the, in the first chapter, the great master of Jew, Jewish ethics, which I had the pleasure of learning with, Rabbi Shlomo Volbe, says you have to understand, who wrote the Mishnah, Rabbi Yudha Nasi? And there's no question that he put the most important lessons according to precedent. So in the first chapter, everything that you see in the first chapter 
is super important. The next chapter gets less important. Not to say one is not important, but in, you know, prioritizing. So the first chapter of Pirkei is like the bread and butter. You look over there, three of the Mishnahs is talking about what? Out of the 16, 17 Mishnahs there, three of them is talking about the importance of having a mentor. You talk about any person that's a winner in life, that they became billionaires. You, you, there's podcasts about this, and I'm very interested in the subject. All of them will tell you the epiphany moment that took them to make them a star, to make them a billionaire, to make them a CEO of a top thing, is they had a mentor to teach them the ins and outs. You need that for dating, right? You need that for dating. Let's look at Pirkei Avot. You look at chapter 1, Mishnah 6. It says, Make for yourself a rabbi, right? Because, guys, this is the problem that we have in our community. You know what the problem is? You know why people are not getting married? Because they're not getting married to have to build a family. They're getting married to do a business deal. And they're so shrewd that they can't come to they're looking for like the deal of a century. You understand? They're not married. They're not I mean, let's be honest. They're marrying for ulterior motives. They're not marrying Lashem Shemaim for the sake of heaven to make God happy. The, the ulterior motives are superseding what really they should be deciding, you know? So, what I'm trying to say here is, why do you need a rabbi? Because the rabbi, if, if there's a rabbi or somebody that, title of the rabbi I said is not, you know, germane here. Somebody that knows Torah, is an expert in Torah. He, if he really loves you like a son and a child and he cares about you, then he's going to give you good spiritual advice. And believe me, in this day and age, and in our Persian community, that's why, I, by the way, I, I really don't like doing um, the matchmaking anymore because I got burnt out. People are not with the program. They're like in a different galaxy. They're really not listening to these Ten Commandments, so they don't know what they're looking for. It's like they're not getting married to the right people for the right reasons, and that's sad. And that's why you see so much divorce. And... And there's a third, guys, there's a third category of this second commandment, which is even more important than the first two. So this second commandment of having a coaching, dating coach is three segments to it. Have a dating coach that's spiritual, that's going to give you advice based on Torah, because you're trying to find a soulmate. If you're trying to marry just for sex, then you're messed over. And it's going to end up in bad bakhti, in, pro- in problem, right? This is for adults only. We're not, we're not trying to... Beat around the bush here. That's not my style. The second thing is have a matchmaker. A matchmaker, when we get to our next commandment, you know what you're looking for and you're going to create a resume and you're going to, you know, then you know what you're looking for. You, 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 and you should look at things in life that are, are eternally important, not instant gratification, right? Money comes and goes. But there's a third part to this because... You know, thank God, I'm marrying off my daughter in this holy place in three weeks. I have a lot of friends that went to Emek with me. They're not even married yet. And this brings me to the third part of this commandment. If you are in a social group, we human beings are all social animals. If you're in a social group where all your friends are party animals and want to throw a bachelor party every night and they're not interested in marriage, then you're not going to get married, God forbid. You don't understand how much we are affected 
by our society, subconsciously. If you want to get married, then get out of that group. If that group is just trying to have one night stands and excuse my English for the rest of their lives, right? That is the wrong group of friends you're in. And even if they're more religious, they're Shomer Shabbat, but their their brain is working wrong because they're, they, you know, look at yourself in the mirror. That's one of the other commandments. Are you, are you, are you a, a, from one out of a hundred, are you a hundred? Are you perfect in every way? Do you come from the best family, have a lot of money and super educated that you want to expect that from your spouse? Right? Look yourself in the mirror. See, all, I, I tell you, off the top of my head, I can mention 20, 20 people come to mind. You know what? I was telling my brother-in-law on this. He's a PhD, John Hopkins, one of the smartest people. He's a Dayan. I was telling you this. It really b- breaks my heart. But off the top of my head, I could tell you 20 people from my family and people I know from the synagogue, all of them not married, one common denominator. You know what? They were too picky. Sometimes it's not such a blessing to be too rich or too good looking or super, you know. Because then you expect that from the other side. And if it doesn't come... And now the, the bad bhakti is, the sad part is some people are mediocre and they, they think they're in this delusional world that they deserve a hundred out of a hundred girl. Who are you? You're a 75, you're average Joe Schmo yourself. Why are you looking for a hundred? Who are you? Be a little bit humble. So it says, you, that's why you need the dating coach and the rabbi to dock some sense into your head. There's so much poison in here that there was a rabbi once, he said, Nowadays, to teach Torah to people, first you have to take an eraser for like a year, erase all the stuff that teach Torah. Because when, the, when like my Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Aaron Feldman says, what they call love, we call lust and death. What we call love, they call death. Because they think you're, right? You know, I'll give you the best advice. If you want to get married, do the opposite of what the Goyim do. Because everything they're doing is wrong. Maybe one out of a hundred things they do is right. You need to get your source from the Torah. The Torah is me'emet. They're sheker. They're animals. They're They don't know what they call love is death to us. Is lust. Guys, I love you. I don't want to beat around the bush, but you've been pre-programmed to think what is love is really death. What It's just, uh, you know, satisfying your nerve endings. That's not true love. That's not soulmate. That's not spirituality. So, Again, the third category of this is to have a good social group. You understand? Listen, I'm sorry to tell you, but if you're in a group of 20 friends, like you guys, Baruch Hashem, Nate, you made a beautiful Shabbaton, and we had a group of really good guys. Rabbi Cohen from Aish was so proud of all of you. You're all, Baruch Hashem, you're all menches. And I'm, uh, the reason I'm making this series is, you know, I really want all you guys to find your best, best possible Eshel Chayel and soulmate. But, you have to understand that if every single one of your friends is getting married to a good girl, you're going to end up following. You understand? Social pressure is a very important thing. And I know, I don't want to name names, but I know at least five of my close friends that are still not married, it's because they're in the wrong social group. If they would have been a part of a group that was normal people, right? If, if every other day your best friend is getting engaged, guess what? You're going to take out all the poison from your brain, think like a normal human being, think practically, right? And realize that it's, not, it's time to stop fooling around. After you see it has three, four kids, and you're alone and depressed every night, right? Because there's, comes a point in, there comes a point in your life where this bachelor lifestyle 
makes you depressed, right? You need a real, meaningful relationship. You understand? And again, we look in Pirkei How important it is to have a mentor? And in this thing, your mentor is your dating coach. Again, you, you go, the Mishnah, the end of the parak. Rabban Gamliel says, Get your, for yourself a rabbi, and you won't be in doubt. So many people are confused. They don't know what they're looking for. They don't know why they should get married. Right? They don't know anything. They don't know... I mean, what is marriage about? Why should I get married? What should I look for? Right? They don't know any of these things. So therefore, they're confused. When you're confused, when you don't look... If you don't know the address of where you're going, are you going to get to where you're going? No. So, it, it's a sad state of affairs that you, 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 these people, they're, they're dij, for lack of a better word. You got to love Farsi and Yiddish. You know, there's some words that you can't just... They're confused. They're dij. They don't know what they're doing. And they really want to get married. Let's say that theoretically speaking they really do want to get married but since they don't know what to look for and why they should get married and how they should do it which is the practical thing why you really do need a matchmaker then what happens is is they never ended up getting married they're all they're in safek you know amalek is safek you know whenever the worst thing in life is not to know why you're here what what am i doing here what's my goals where am i going right Always having a question mark. That leads to depression. That's, that's the biggest nuclear arsenal of what? The Satan. So that's why you need a Rav. The Mishnah telling you, get a Rabbi, he has clarity, like we saw in the Mesilat Yeshayim last night. He has that eagle vision to know he's advised 50 other people. And then, what you're gonna, it's going to take you to, to the, you're going to be on the derech. You're not going to go off the derech. You're going to go, and you're going to get to know where you're going because you have the address now. You know what you're looking for. And again, in the middle of the chapter 1 of Pirkei Avod, what does it say? It says, Your house should be Your house should be a gathering place for all the rabbis and the wise people. In the olden days, there didn't used to be pavement. So if people were, were walking, he says, even if the dust of their feet blinds your eyes, don't leave them alone. Go, go to where the winners are. Go... Guys, in life, it's a very simple arithmetic. The people that know how to do something, you follow them. So the observing community, right? The rabbi himself, he's practicing what he's preaching. If he's a real rabbi, he's probably got married in his 20s. If he's Hasidish in his teens, 18. So he already has established his life. He had the personal choice of who to marry, right? And it says, you should be thirsty and quenched. They should quench your thirst. Like a person that doesn't, hasn't drunk, right? Any water, you should, you, should, you should listen to their words like a person that is thirsty, right? So again, in the first chapter of Pirkei Avot, it's telling you what? It's telling you that the ultimate importance of what? Having that good mentor. Now, I have experience with some yeshiva boys and... You have to be a little bit picky who this dating coach is. Not necessarily every rabbi has the common sense. Not that everybody's good. We have to respect all the chachamim and every Jew, and we love everybody. But especially if you're a more complicated case and you have a lot of that poison in your mind, a, a, a rabbi 
that understands you, first of all, is very important. He has some knowledge of sensitivity of what dating is, experience in like, you know, shiduchim, and he's pragmatic and practical. So we call it the fifth Shulchan Aruch, right? They said, what's the Shulchan Aruch has four different parts to it. What's the most important part? The fifth part, which is means common sense. You need somebody that... It, this since, again, going back to what we said in the first commandment, since this is the most important choice in your life, you should be very picky who your mentor and dating coach is so you get the best outcome because this is the most important choice. And my Rosh Hashiva just said a crazy thing. He says having a mentor doesn't mean you could, have the, you could be Albert Einstein. There's a Gemara Brachot. I believe it's Tav Zayin, Tav Chet. The Gemara says it's a halacha. You should always live where your Rebbe lives. You should always live under the influence in the neighborhood of your Rabbi that taught you Torah from when you were a kid. Gemara says why? Because Shlomo HaMelech went and he, he married the daughter of Paro, which ultimately caused so many tr- trouble and it caused the, our holy temple to be destroyed. But the Gemara says, who was his Rebbe? Shimon ben Gera. As long as Shimon ben Gera was alive... Shlomo Melech didn't make that mistake of going marrying a shiksa. And whatever, he converted her. It wasn't a co- such a kosher conversion. And her children did idol worship. And in the Navi, it writes that Shlo- Solomon, the wisest man of all, did idol worship. He didn't do it, but his wives did it. Since he didn't stop them, it's like he did it. What was the root of all this problem? As long as he had his rabbi on top of him, he dared not do that. So my Rosh Hashiva of Yaakov Weinberg, one of the most sharpest, brilliant brains that I've always said, said, what do you learn from this? Who was the wisest man of all time? You know, Moshe, in this week's Parsha Ba'alotcha, we say he's the greatest prophet of all time, right? He talked to God, to God, like a clear glass, like I'm talking to you. Right? Shlomo Melech is on that level regarding wisdom, right? Shlomo Melech is the highest level of wisdom of any person of all mankind. Similar to Moshe Rabbeinu in prophecy. Even if you're Shlomo Melech, you need a mentor. So don't be a wise guy. You understand? Don't be a wise guy with me. Say, I don't need a mentor. Even Shlomo Melech, as long as his Rebbe was alive, he didn't go marry that chiksa. That, you know, it's... And maybe, maybe at the end, Nate, put that as a mental note. Maybe we'll have a class about uh, marrying converts and is that the best thing? Because there's actually halachot to this. It's about down in Shulchan Aruch. But what I'm trying to say is, um, and let me come end the class with this. We have a great rabbi, his name is Rabbi Shraga Neuberger. You met him. Shlita. He, he advises countless people. Maybe, I think, I would not be exaggerating, in the last 30, 40 years, he's counseled tens of thousands of couples on Shalom Bayit, on making peace and Advice, And he said something which through my almost 18 years of being a rabbi and trying to do as much matchmaking as possible, I got burnt out. I try to delegate it to other people is that if you do basically follow these 10 commandments, right? And you know what you're looking for and but you went out for more than 5 years and you're still not married. And you went out with a few dozen people. It's no shame or crime, and this is a thing that's 
we Persian Jews have devastated so many lives and caused so many people to lose their happiness in life. There's, if you have been trying this game and you basically do have an outline of what you're looking for and, and you're still not married, there's no shame in going to a psychologist. Now psychology or psychiatry is very important that they should be orthodox because a lot of them is based on atheism, right? You want to make sure that they don't make the problem worse and tell you, no, you're a monkey, go do whatever you want. <laughs> Satisfy any uh, you know, uh, desire you want based on Sigmund Freud, right? We, we want, but these people, they could possibly have OCD issues, insecurity issues, right? What I'm trying to say is part of this mentor and coach thing is that you know Einstein says the definition of insanity is trying the same thing again and again and accepting expecting the same result. So if you've tried the same thing again and again around five years and you're not getting a result, why are you getting married? You so this is a problem with a lot of people. They always think the problem oh oh my god, do you know how many twenty people come to my mind regarding this idea? Oh the women are so bad, they're so picky, they're so no. First fix yourself. Maybe the problem lies what? Within. You need to get evaluated by a real board-certified therapist. There's Rabbi Amiri, there's Rabbi Rafalmer, there's Dr. Fox. We have amazing, amazing therapists actually. My yeshiva, since they have a thing with, Neri, uh, with John Hopkins, they put out a lot of very good, uh, you know, kosher, 100% kosher rabbinic type of psychologists that are rabbi doctor. But be that as it may, this is something very important that... Um, if you really do have a relationship with somebody that's been in the game for that long, and they keep on, keep on, keep on doing the same thing, and keep on not getting married, it, it wouldn't hurt for them to go for two, three sessions, realize that maybe there's some type of, not mental issue, just some anxiety, some type of thing inside of them, that, I don't know, I'm not a psychologist, it's probably some term for it that they're not committal, you know, maybe they saw their parents got divorced, and therefore they're afraid to make, some people, it's hard for them to pull the trigger, you should know. There's many stories where people went even under the chuppah, like hour before the chuppah, the guy backed out. Because, so, there's stories about this. Even Yerushalayim, like, you know, if, uh, if whether a girl or boy have been in that game for five years, and they do have good matchmakers, and they do have good dating coaches, and it's not getting anywhere, then it's time to up the level and go to a professional, uh, you know, mental health person. And we hope that everybody... We're able next week to meet and talk about the third commandment. And may Hashem help us to find the most glorious and best uh, spouse possible. Amen. Amen. Amen.